Good morning. Good morning. Java Delight will uplift you. Stay tuned. The show is about to begin. Grab your coffee. Stay tuned. This show is about to begin. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for tuning in. My name is Brandon Croucher, CEO of Delight Cafe. This is your morning show to give you a shot of Java and a little delight. We are honored to be welcomed by the one, the only South African queen, Miss Elsa, or as I like to teach my niece, Elsa. Elsa. <laughs> morning, morning, morning. How are you doing? I am wonderful. How are you today? I'm in a much better mood than yesterday. Thank you. I, yesterday was a long one. How did it end up it ending? For you? Did you end up ending in a good spot? I did. I did. I had my assessment with Brett. Um, um, oh, after. sorry. No, I actually enjoyed it. It was exactly what I needed to hear. I, I just he boosted my confidence <laughs> that I'm doing the right thing. And I just went to bed with a calm heart. And I woke up this morning and I said, nothing ever gets me down. So I won't be down, and I just had a wonderful day. <laughs> well, tell me really quick, like, what did you end up testing into? What are you? You're a star. I'm a star, yes. I, I was actually compared to Oprah and Beyonce. I know you compare everybody to them, but I mean. I mean, out of the I, way, I, maybe. <laughs> I didn't get Oprah or Beyonce, I'll tell you that. I know I didn't well, get them. What did you get? I am a creator. Uh, I tested uh, with like Elon Musk Richard, and Richard see? Branson. Yeah. Yeah. I, those were my two. Uh, I, I, he gave me those. So I'm like, oh, fine. I can handle this. <laughs> I, I could be a creative, whatever. <laughs> and Brett, I believe, is a tool. And I don't yes. mean that like <laughs> We are not bullying him. <laughs> Promise, promise, yeah. take this, and then you'll understand. Brett, what, what is your tool? What are you? You don't have to type it when I bring you into the screen. <laughs> so once a tool, always a tool. Right? What, now, wait, what is your assessment? What are you? A mechanic. A mechanic? So See, I'm right. You're a tool. <laughs> I know how to, I, I know how to deal with tools like you. Right? Like I'm a creative one, and you're a mechanic one. You're able to take my creativity, her stardom, and be able to mold it and make magic. Make magic. I, yep, I can see how they come together. Exactly. Oh, wait a that's, second. That's I, perverted. <laughs> <laughs> 
I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. All right, Brett, I'll bring you back in a few. How did last night, our episode went well until my phone decided that it no longer wants to work. And now uh, got better. Thank, thank God. I am so grateful. It's like Brandon left. Now we can have a real show. Like, I understand 100%. But how did the rest of the show go? It, it, I think it went well. Um, you know, we, it, we continued along the same lines that we were were moving, and uh, I, I think overall the the show went well. And next week, I think we've got to try to do Pete's Dragon. Otherwise, I think Jessica is going to come out and blow fire at us. My only concern is I have to drive down to her that weekend. So if I'm driving there. And Jessica is going to be like breathing fire. I'm not ready to be a toasted bee. Like, <laughs> I just not in my hobbies. Like, I, I, I have a feeling like she has these like mom daggers for eyes that like you know you did something wrong. What? Oh, don't do that, Elsa. I already felt like I was in trouble. Don't do that. <laughs> my, you look exactly like my sister Lissy's mom. Right now, she has like the exact hoodie, but it'd be pink because she has to have everything pink. The hair up in a bun. Oh, it wouldn't be Batgirl, though. It wouldn't be Batgirl. I'll tell you that. TMI signal. Check out my shirt, guys. I've been working out. <laughs> Batgirl. She goes, that's right. These are my, never mind. So Elsa, <laughs> we started the show like that. Oh, Brett, I'm going to put you back in the back, buddy. I love you. I hope you have a great one. Thanks for running the show in the back with us. Um, Brandon, have you got what I sent you ready for today? I do not. Give me one second. <laughs> now I'm clicking on things like, wait, what am I supposed to Oh, you wrote me a book. Ooh, me? No, Mandy Atterbury. Mandy, I got to read that. I'll be right back. I'm sorry, sweetie. I, I, I'll i have to read that in a few. And that way I know everything it says. I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't even see it come in. I, I apparently read it, but didn't read it, it says. Um, so Elsa, talk to me about what is in store for South Africa for the winter this weekend. Uh, we're going out of winter into spring. So this is like our last stretch. We've got another 11 days left. Of winter? winter? Of winter, yes. And then really? spring starts. Spring starts on the 1st of September. And then it might be a little bit cold during September still. But by October, the heat is on and that's almost like a summer already so yeah. from there from there just escalates <laughs> up until january february sometimes mid-march um and then the, the temperatures come down again now so it's quite long is that like the biggest thing you have to wear all winter like a hoodie or do you have to have like a full-on coat no, 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 I've got a coat, but it's not like minus degrees, yeah? We get our odd days where it's like 13, 14, but it's usually about 16, 17, 18. Like today, it's a nice winter's summer day, 23 degrees Celsius. So 
in the sun in, in in the house and in the shade it's chilly but if you sit in the sun it's oh, and i love sitting in the sun <laughs> i feel like every time you tell us the degree in celsius we should have to know what it is in fahrenheit but you shouldn't have to tell us it should be I like i be able to in any case <laughs> But like they tell us, when are you going to need this back in like school and all this? The United States is one of the only countries that doesn't do Celsius and doesn't do meters. So okay. you, you telling us things, oh, it's 28 degrees Celsius. I'm sitting there going, 28 degrees Celsius is, and then I'm like, I don't want to open up my Google in the background and do that and waste time. So Brett Gordon, can you tell us what 28 degrees Celsius is? He's Googling it. I see him. Uh, Ilsa is sending all the single lady vibes out there today. Like She's like, oh, the single ladies. Oh, the single ladies. Look at my bad shirt. Look at my bad shirt. So cold days mean more giraffes and hugs. I love that. Brian <laughs> Tracy, you are the creator, just like Brandon and Fernando. Uh, yes, I create chaos. chaos. <laughs> Join the club. <laughs> 82 your 28 degrees celsius is 82 degrees that seems like you're gonna be warm like i would I, that would be warm for what i'm wearing that seems okay. like, so like yeah, but today, no today it's 23 not 28 23 23 yes, yes five degrees less so it gotcha. might make a huge it might, might make a huge difference on the on the weight on the scale yes on the scale i mean from 23 to 80 it's almost double i wonder mandy if you would like you could email brett at brett at businesses are people too and brett business there it is take a screenshot of that really quick mandy and boom and you can email brett at businesses are people too and then brett gives you a one-on-one -on -one flirting session he teaches you all about speed dating and why he is the sexiest man in las vegas he walks around in this like floral shirt going yeah that's right they call me bg my name's brett gordon <laughs> He took a drink right then, too. He's like, I can't watch, Brandon. I can't. Uh, 73 degrees. 73 degrees is what it was. So, any plans this weekend, Elsa? Where are you going? What are you doing? You throwing the kids downstairs or anything? Luckily for the kids, no. No, I'm not throwing them downstairs. I'm just going to – I've got two shows for Between the Notes tomorrow. So, I'm just going to chill yeah, at home and sunday i think my son's going to a bride to my parents but i'll just be here self-love isolation <laughs> i love that self-love little isolation a little bit of chill time for you now wait you said the kids are going to their dad so you're alone all weekend no 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 to to my parents house it's my brother and my mom's birthday so they have a, a bride it's almost like a barbecue um in your like they just fry meat on an open fire and all south africans do that they love it <laughs> and and um they do it for birthdays and the kids are going my kids are going to their grandparents Fun. who is have yeah who is having the bride so then i'm just taking some me time nice i love it i love it uh stuart lone wolf goes the only thing you have to know about speed dating is you will find everything you don't want but at least you find it quickly 
dude. It's like, I mean, it, <laughs> like I, I, I'm listening. I'm reading that going, yeah, but you know, like, you, I, I, <laughs> all right, Elsa, you're 39. You've been dating in different attributes of life, seeing technology come over and that. How much do you, have you ever done online dating or, or used an app to date? No, no. No, no, I'm lying. I'm lying. I'm lying. I, I did once or twice. I, I did. And I actually met, and I actually met um, two or three nice guys, but that are friends of mine. I, 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 I honestly, everybody I met online dating, everybody was either a, a professional dater, which I hate. It's somebody that like is on every app. And they're oh, they okay. just, they go and get like a lunch date, a dinner date, a weekend date, and they really aren't looking for anything. They're on these things to get a free meal, free this, and that's fine. If that's who you are, there's guys that do that in the vice versa way. So I don't care about that. I just don't want to be connecting with somebody when we don't have the same intentions. Yes. And online dating is just a shit show. I, I, I have no desire to download, even though I'm recently single and all that zero desire to download any app, find anything. I don't want that. I, I, I think that it's like social media. Elsa, on social media, you could post anything you want. And then when all of a sudden you rile somebody up and they start getting mad and going back and forth, you two are into this. Well, online dating, you have no idea who you're going to be getting into this with. You have no idea who you're going to be going with. And they all oh, were just connecting. No, bullshit, man. Like these, are, They can easily go online. While you're on the date, you go to the bathroom and find somebody else that they think's better looking right around the corner. And exactly. that's really it's not genuine. No, it's not. <laughs> and it's like like Tinder. Don't get me wrong. I have no problem if you want to use an app and connect and be like, all right, I'll meet you in the bathroom of the lobby. Like what? Like it, it's easy like that for some people. I can't do that. I'm not slut shaming anybody. I'm jealous of the fact you have game like that. But at the end of the day, I'm not, I don't want to be not connecting with somebody. I think the online dating stuff is just a freaking horrible world. Uh, online dating, you will you, never you, meet you, anyone. You, 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 can, you, can, you can meet someone that you have a connection with. You can. Um, online dating, you will never. Online dating sucks. Gave that up after the last one. <laughs> And you what was the like, previous one from, from? Oh, online dating. You will never meet anyone, anyone, tr anyone's true self. Hundred percent. True self. Hundred percent. Because I look at my online dating experience, which I have to be honest, not just sucked, but like it was. I, I the minute I got off of it and stopped I'm, looking, I found the. Yeah, go ahead. I've I've also found some creepy, weird people approaching you and everything. So now I, I do not use my my Facebook for that. I use my Facebook to promote the stuff that I'm doing. My life's not on Facebook. Nobody nobody knows what's the going on. No, mm -mm. but at the same point, that they don't need to, and that's what I think a lot of us are missing. Is like people I. I I, I don't post a lot, but it looks like I do on social media. It's literally all my work stuff. It's literally shows I've done or doing and things like that. I don't post like, here's a thing of me at the beach and stuff like that. Because personally, I'm trying to really connect with myself. I don't want to, I don't need everybody else's like and love and all that for me to feel good. But I also 
need to be out in social media and connecting with people because that is a way of doing that. Uh, Elsa, do you have any, any bad date stories? <gasps> I actually do. I actually do. Challenge, go. This is the reason why I don't go on a date. So I went on a date and when I got out of my car, the first thing this guy did was kiss me. Like literally just planted a kiss on my face and like, okay, now that that's out of the way, I was like, okay, now I'm going home now. And I got back into my car and I left. I was so freaked out. You're telling me he got out of the car, walked around, and then just planted one on you. When no, you got out of the car. I went with my I, I went with my own car, so we met each other there. I'm very I'm a scary cat when it comes to that. I'll meet you somewhere. Well, you yeah. Know, yeah, you won't know where I live or anything like that. Like I'm so, cracking so, up so, at that. Yeah, and, and, and we parked next next to each other, but he was there first and I pulled in and he got out and opened my door and as I got out he just kissed me and I was like, Whoa It's like man, it's my personal space and he's like, Yeah, but now it's out I'm like, I'm going home now. <laughs> Bye. Now it's missed out of the off. way. Now yeah, it's I, out missed, of the way. I missed dinner, everything. And I drove so far it was because we had to meet halfway. I drove so far to, to go there. I think it was about an hour and a half drive to go there and it was raining and it was horrible. I should have stayed at home. <laughs> go back into my car. I phoned my daughter. I said, this shit's not going to work. I'm on my way home. <laughs> I've never been on a date. Stuart Lone Wolf. I I'll take you on a date. I'll take you on a date. We could do a digital date, Stuart. I will uh, yes. dinner and a movie. Uh, you just have to tell me whether you have Uber Eats and I need your home address and uh, like your phone number and a picture of you that's a selfie because it's just a picture of a wolf sitting across from me. It's going to look weird. Um, yeah. <laughs> I find out in two hours the damage on my knee. So, Jane, we're sending you good vibes right now. Just like... It looks like I'm like... Never mind. Uh, but like they, we're sending you good vibes right now, Jane. I wish you nothing. I don't wish... I'm putting on you nothing but healing, energy, good vibes, and th that your knee is going to be the best it's been very soon, and the doctors have smooth hands. So please know we, but, we love but, you. Thank you. No, no buts. The, the, this guest that's coming on has got exercise for knees. Yes. Uh, exercise for knees, exercise for a whole bunch of things. Uh, our guest today is uh, Dr. Mitchell Yas, and yes. he is Yas. <laughs> I'm going to read it like that, and if he gets mad, I apologize now, Dr. Yas. But that's just how I feel. <laughs> um, but like, he's actually works with misdiagnosed patients that deal with chronic pain from back to knees to uh, shoulders, wherever your pain is. He actually works directly with you and has created the YAS method. So this method interprets the body's presentation of symptoms to identify the tissue of distress, elicting those very symptoms. So, hey. 130 million Americans suffer in pain daily. Don't be one of the people that are going to be in pain. Join us in about 40 minutes, and we have our Dr. Mitchell. Mitchell, yes. Like, so be there. Sassy yeah. snap. <laughs> so, bad date. All right. So, Ilsa's bad date is the guy just got out and kissed you. What? Like, I've never done that. I, I've held doors. I had a girl kiss me when I held the door. <laughs> 
like I try to be a gentleman. Like we walk on the side of the street. So the, the cars are coming by you. You switch sides if, if you switch sides. So you're always walking on the inside of the street. You open doors. You hold the door politely and move out the way. All these little tiny things, right? And they're not big. They're simple things to do. And then I've been yelled at because a date you are trying to make an impression. I think dinner. Go ahead. I'll be quiet. Sorry. <laughs> a date you are trying to make an impression. Dinner and a movie is just and is just enjoying company and conversation. True. I hold, I hold doors, doors for, for men. men. <laughs> yeah, I hold doors for men too. I like. I I think you should hold doors, like. But at the same time, Stuart, you and I aren't going to be able to like. Do you want to just sit across from each other in video chat? Like we'll be like, hey, Stuart, do you come here often? Thank you for joining me today. It's good to see you. I love it. Uh, we need to to we need the doctor to diagnose Brandon with a pain in the ass. <laughs> I like that. He's gonna he's gonna say it the whole time. Oh yeah, I I from here out I will not stop saying his name like that unless he gets mad. Watch us have two guests not show in one week. One not showing up because of pain management. The other because I'm not worth dating anywhere. <laughs> Brett's in the back yeah, the nodding way too yeah. hard. So does anybody else have a bad date story you can write, you can write in the comments? Because you. What's your bad date story? Which one That's do you out. want? I have many. The Which worst one, do you want? one. The worst one. So my worst first date was a, a serial dater. She literally it showed up. She picked the place. And I should have known better. I was not ex- not used to online dating we went to this extremely expensive restaurant i did not know it was extremely expensive i just met her there and she got food she even took food home blah 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 well the owner after everything was done like we didn't really connect we didn't it didn't feel like there should be a second date it didn't feel like there should be anything and i just wanted to pay the bill and go i went to the bathroom she left and while I was in the bathroom, which is fine, we both agreed on that. But the owner came up after that and he's like, dude, I just got to tell you, like, I hope you're not going on another date with her. And I'm like, why? And he goes, because she's a serial dater. Like, literally, she eats lunch here four times a week. She'll eat dinner here two or three times a week. She wants free meals. And I'm like, oh. now, I will be honest. The universe has a way of aligning things. So not even six months later, I'm pulling in to go to a meeting with another person and the car in front of us starts to just back up and try to go into a spot very aggressively, very angrily. And they're trying to take the spot that we're pulling forwards into. So the person that's driving lays on the horn and is like, Hey, Hey, no move. And I'm sitting in that car going, this is about to get interesting. Guess who gets out of the car? The serial she turns around, gets out of the car. She's like, hey, that's my spot. My buddy, who I'm going to a meeting with, starts yelling. And he's like, no, I'm pulling in. You've already passed it, right? I open the door and I go, like, do you want to just go on another lunch date? She gets back in her car and drives away. <laughs> I'm like, peace. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Bad online date. Bad dates. Um, I have had... 
I don't know. Like I've had a bunch of weird ones where like I had one show up obliterated drunk. Obliterated oh. drunk. Like I'm talking the waitress brought us over waters and then brought over a pitcher, set it down, looked at me, and I'm like, first date. And she goes, Whoo, good luck. <laughs> and walks away. I'm like, like this girl almost passed out at the table. Like so drunk. Like I'm like, wow. Um God, I could think of, I, I have a bunch. I took a girl on a hike once. We got lost in the woods, like for real. Like when I, say, <laughs> when I say lost, we didn't just get lost in the woods. We were so lost that when night came, they actually were driving a four wheeler around with the headlight, the bright headlights to find us. Cause we were that lost. And she goes, you are the worst with directions. I go, I didn't see you getting us out. Like I'm trying at least. She and I, that's so like first dates are not like my expertise in any way. But I have like, not had a lot of dates. I have not had a lot of dates. I'm told I, I usually say no. <laughs> really? See, I yes. I just like to hang out. Like Stuart said, Stuart made a great comment back here about the fact that like it's not a date when you're trying like you're trying to impress somebody. And my my dates like I, I try to get to know them a little bit on that first one through that little connection, just mm. being with each other. And like, for me, some of these are just friends with these people. There's two of my friends on Facebook right now that got engaged during COVID that both I went on first dates with. And then we both agreed. We're like, Oh, we're like, nah, I'm not, I, I'm just not feeling it with you. And we stayed friends. And I, I see they're getting engaged. And when I congratulate them, it's not like, oh, I went on a date with that guy. Their fiancés are like, oh, Brandon, thanks, man. And, like, it's that's the type of thing I like is, like, we were able yes. to break barriers. So I have, like, good and bad ones. But you know what? You know who has a, probably has great dating stories? Bob Seymour. Oh, definitely, yes. Like, I just picture women just, like, like walking themselves at a hundred percent. Like you have me with my bald head. So that means when we're in Vegas, I'm going to have random people kissing the top of my head. <laughs> you have Bob with his huge, sexy beard. He's walking around with a motorcycle going, I'm Rocky. That's Bullwinkle right there. And then he turns around and he goes, like, I could just picture people walking up. Can I touch your beard? It's like people walking up to women wanting to touch their hair. No, don't walk up to somebody and just randomly pet them. That Rob is just like, we're not pet. <laughs> I'm watching him laugh so hard in the background. I love it. Rent, uh, Brett, rent a date? Ooh. Uh, rent a dates are a great idea. I've actually done that. Like, I've been people's rent a date. Have you ever been a rent a date? No. So but, it's like a but, but I'm interested to find out how it works. Good luck on your call, Mandy. Wish you the wish you the best. Come back and tell us you love us. We love you. Uh, I didn't want to be rude. I just saw that. But like, um, I literally. All right, at prom, how many proms did you go to? Okay, so we don't call it prom. Ours is matric farewells because twelfth twelfth grade they call matric. Or grade 12, yeah. And then um, we have matric farewells, which is the same as prom. We dress up and dance and eat and all that nice things. And I went to four, uh, five, I'm lying, five, from 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 my where my high school, um, 
high school started, where I started high school, we call it standard six, standards or grade eight, grade nine, grade 10, grade 11, grade 12. So from there, so I went from grade eight. Right, wow. so five five times and twice with the same dress. <laughs> uh, actually, if you want a good first date story, I have a good one about that. I went to a homecoming. So it's like prom, but at the beginning of the year. And the okay. girl that I went with, new girl in the school, every guy was like, Ugh! and I'm like, I'm going to get her to go to prom with, or homecoming with me. So I ask her to homecoming. We go out, we're at a county fair and she and I are hitting it off. And she's like, yeah, I want to go with you. Well, the dance was three weeks later. And apparently we really didn't like each other much, but we still had to go to <laughs> go with each other. So we get a group together to go. And she makes out with one of my friends as we're in the limo. And I'm like, these guys are not cool. That's just bad juju right there, right? <laughs> bad. So bad. So bad. So we were taking the limo and we were going around to different spots to be able to park and let people go change. So like one person went home, a couple of girls ran inside to change. The other people needed to go around. Da, da, da. So her and him and a couple other people get out. I tell the other people, I'm like, hey, we're, we're getting ready to go. The two of them are inside making out. I'm like, ma'am, let's go. And like, they're like, really? I'm like, yep. <laughs> I shut the door, left them there. It wasn't their house. It was somebody else's house. I didn't even care. I paid for that limo. He was in there on it. No, don't come and steal my date on my my night. I didn't even want to make out with her. In, her in my limo. <laughs> right. I'm not the only one who paid for it. The people that did were in there with me. Everybody else it could be what? Could be what? Huh? Huh? Brett, are you an escort? <gasps> Could be. <laughs> uh, so Elsa, we have a oops, sorry. We have a very, very special guest coming in in a few seconds. He is one of the original members of ZY Top. You probably have not heard of them. Why? Because Bob doesn't want his reputation getting out there. Uh, they changed their name to ZZ Top after that, and Bob took off on his motorcycle to find his inner bullwinkle. So, ladies and gentlemen, do me a favor. Put your hands together. Give us a little love. And no matter what, know that Bob is coming on next. To be wild. His name is Bob. He's born to be wild. Bob Seymour. And I got the intro. I love it. But First time I need this to... month, man. Hey, and it's the last one we're going to have, I think. I don't think we have a Friday next month. This month, this next week. Uh, I got it, finally. Woo. Bob. Seymour, ladies and gentlemen. Bob, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing, man? It's kind of chilly here, but it is what it is. <laughs> now, where is chilly? Where are you? Uh, I'm south southeast of Denver again. Now, a um, little place called Elizabeth on a friend's ranch out here. I, I just had to get away from all of the sirens and traffic and all the crap up in uh, north side of Denver. So I came down here. The other, actually, I came down for... I have a good friend that's staying here. She's uh, about 35 years old, has uh, brain cancer, and is uh, coming up for surgery here in uh, a couple of weeks. So 
I came down, uh, brought a friend of mine down from Indiana. We prayed for her the other night. So, and I just decided to stay a couple more days, man, just uh, to relax. I got a big ride coming up uh, tomorrow and a bunch of stuff on Saturday and or on Sunday. So I'm going to be here for a couple days. That oh, sounds so awesome. I agree. I agree. Now, you also have a milestone with your bike. You just passed 50, 155,000. Am I correct? 150,000, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just coming down the hill from Mount Rushmore, uh, riding with a friend from Colorado and uh, my friend from Indiana that came out. We uh, were right there by Rushmore when I turned uh, 149,999 and it hit the exactly i mean i hit the uh city limit of keystone and it rolled over 150,000. it was the weirdest damn thing because i pulled into the first parking lot just a couple hundred yards away i wanted to get a picture of the uh speedometer uh, or the odometer and uh man it, it was a weird i put the kickstand down shut the key off reached for my phone and i just got hit by a a truckload of emotions man i mean it, it's been five years a little over five years 150,000 miles it was like when you see your whole life passing in front of your face i saw the face of like every every person i've encountered uh like the funerals uh kids that i buried husbands wives friends all the weddings i mean it was just a flood of emotions i i started leaking i was like damn you're such a wuss man <laughs> they're not a wuss you're not a wuss for crying. <laughs> <laughs> he has these little like one-liners like when he says scooter i want to take bob to europe and have him be like oh yeah i gotta take my scooter out and they'd be like oh come with us oh mr bob come here and they put him out of the vest but he looks at me and i can just see the look in bob's eyes one guy put me on a hibusa one time i had no idea what the hell i was on i just i just got on it and i didn't go i mean i wasn't giving it hell i just went through the gears made it made it work a little bit and i looked down i'm doing 136 miles an hour and i was like oh hell no man and then nah, that's too much man <laughs> <laughs> so all those bikes go very fast uh, 136 i know nah, that's not a lot of fun on a scooter Oh. A scooter. So, Bob, I do have to ask you a question. I have made a verbal commitment that I will go down and visit the Dugas family. And wow. I have to. I did it live. I, 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 I'm kind of stuck. Jessica has taken screenshots and been like, see, see, see. Like, that's her new TikTok. It's like, oh, me coming. No, I'm just kidding. She says that she will donate to your tithe. She saw your post about tithing, and she will donate a whole cake when you come visit. So <laughs> any way I can have you, you know, I'll eat the damn cake. <laughs> I'll eat the whole thing, man. <laughs> Bob, is there any way I could convince you to go down there around the same time I'm going down? I don't know. What's the time you're going down there? Jessica, put the exact date I'm supposed to be there because I can't look it up in my phone. And I know if I look, I'm going to get distracted because I'm my squirrel. I have to look at Bob and Ilsa. <laughs> and if I look anywhere else, my distractions just start going. And it's I like. <laughs> I have a top. I have a suite on the top floor of that place, boy. <laughs> right? I like, am, I, <laughs> Biden moments are getting more intense every day. <laughs> 
I told my mom and dad, I was like, I didn't know I evolved from squirrels. And they were like, are you calling us squirrels? And I'm like, I'm just saying, I see how you guys are together. They'll be in the middle of a conversation and they don't know what they're saying to each other. And they just go back and forth around and around. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? They're on two different pages, but they literally think they're talking about the same thing. I love my parents. They are like, Evolution's I know what my pretty slow, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's why I'm trying to step it up, Bob. I gotta work through this, you know. No, my parents are amazing. Uh, I'm scheduled to arrive, Bob, September fourth. I'm gonna be in Alabama. Don't give me that look. You're that gonna, gonna work, man. I have, I have uh, on September the twelfth. I have uh, a wedding I have to do here in. Um, I think I'm. I think it's going to be up in Greeley, Colorado. I'm not sure yet. I got to go up next week and work the details out. And then on the 18th, I've got to be in Rockford, Illinois, doing that fundraiser for that homeless shelter. So don't nah. <laughs> unless wait, you wait, wanna, unless wait, you want to buy me a damn plane ticket, eh? it ain't gonna happen. Man. Wait, wait, wait. I have a question. You said September 12th and September what? September the 12th is 18th. the wedding here, and the 18th is uh, I have to be in Rockford, Illinois. See, that, that's going to be hard because you'd go from Alabama to Colorado, or where you're at now, Colorado and that, right. all the way to Alabama, back to Colorado, back to Chicago. That You'd be at 160,000 miles before yeah. the end of that. And no, I don't, don't want to do that problem. to you. I don't have a problem with that. I just don't have the gas money to do it. I mean, hell, I just made a round trip uh, to Florida and back, you know, I mean, 4,551, I don't know close to 5,000 miles. I don't give a shit about the mileage. I just can't afford the gas. <laughs> yeah, but what about oil changes and stuff? And I don't know like, like how oil changes work on a bike. Don't you have tune-ups and stuff to do? Uh, I I do. Uh, I, I spent, uh, I did some figuring in 150,000 miles. I, I don't know exactly, but I did about 35 or 40, maybe, maybe more than that oil changes. And every oil filter is like between 14 and 18 bucks. So that's a lot of money. So I just invested uh, a couple months ago. I bought a reusable oil filter. It's got a, uh, what do they call it? Stainless steel micro mesh filter or filtration thing in it. So I never have to buy another oil filter. And I can get about... They say you can go 7,000 miles on an oil change, but I don't do that. I like to every 3,000 at the most, I'll dump it out. And then every fourth or fifth uh, time after that, I change it. I'll run about 500 miles, and then I'll change the oil again. And I take better care of Bullwinkle than I do myself because he's all I got. Man. <laughs> but fortunately, I still have warranty <laughs> until uh, 2023 because somebody over in North Carolina – uh, messaged me a couple of years ago, asked me where I bought the bike. I told him, and then a couple hours later, he told me to call the dealership, and I did. And the guy, the friend of mine that works there, he said, man, I've been waiting for you. I need your signature. And I said, dude, I ain't signing nothing. I paid cash for this. I don't know. And he said, no, somebody just called in and bought the seven-year extended warranty on your bike for you. And I was like, what? And he did, man. I never met. I, I, I contacted him back. And I said, brother, where in the hell do you live? I, I got to come and say thank you. And he just said, look, you don't owe me nothing. He said, you've done more for me and my wife in the last two years than you'll ever know. We just want to keep you on the road doing what you're doing, man. So, yeah, so I'm covered until 2023. I'm kind of hoping the bottom end blows. The motor takes a crap between now and then so I get a brand new one. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, I, I, 
Stuff like this makes me ugly cry, okay? <laughs> Let's just be honest. It warms my heart when people do things like oh, that. Oh, man. Without yeah. expecting anything back, oh. just... Oh. It's yeah, amazing. That, it is. It, it's truly amazing. I've met the most incredible people in the last five years on the road that you can't even imagine, man. <laughs> I can. Oh, I would, Bob, oh, the stories that Bob can tell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Elsa, will you do me a favor and read this one aloud? Okay. Bob chooses to come on Halloween, then so we can dress him up as a gay <laughs> that's brian's job man <laughs> oh that's brian's job all right good brian brian's gonna be the care bear i don't have to be i'm like i'm not the bear care bear anymore <laughs> well you i'll take whatever <laughs> I don't I'm, not, I'm okay i'm good i got you bob i got bob so bob you were talking to me before us uh, before the show about how your your this is a big. There's a lot happening this week. There's a lot of emotions going into things. You're visiting some someone very important to you. Can you tell us about that and how Bob's doing through everything? Oh yeah, I'm doing good. I, I, I'm down here at this ranch, and uh, there's a, a girl here. She's a sweetheart. She's uh, 35 years old, just just pretty as a picture. But she got brain uh, brain cancer and uh, a big tumor in there. They've got to go in and. Uh, do some surgery on in a couple of weeks. So I made a trip down here to come down and uh, pray for her. And uh, you know, two days ago, three days ago, I got word that my one of my older brothers in uh, New York has uh, been diagnosed with bladder cancer. And uh, so it's just, you know, my world is complicated. Uh, but it, yeah, I did deal with it. I'm going to get up to see uh, my brother. He's, he's still in the testing stages, all this stuff. It's going to be four or five weeks before we really know what's going on i talked to him he sounds good sounded a little weak but he sounded good so i'm not i mean it's not like critical right now he's dying he's type stuff but it, it's pretty serious what he's got so in five or six weeks i'm going to see can i borrow a car and uh because i i don't want to ride bullwinkle up to upstate new york in the middle or the end of october because it can get pretty nasty up there but i'm going to try to borrow a car this, the brother I was just talking about that uh, bought that warranty for my bike messaged me yesterday and said, when you're ready to do that, let us know. We're going to help you get there. So I'm going to go up to see uh, my brother, visit my wife's grave. Uh, I, haven't been up to, uh, I haven't been up to see my wife's grave in two or three years. But one of the kids that we kind of adopted back there sent me some pictures of it the other day. She went in and, and cleaned it all up, uh, really made it look good. And she uh, she blessed my socks off by doing that. But yeah, uh, it may be the last time I ever get to get up there, so I'm gonna go and take care of my own uh, my own head for a while. You, know? you need to do that sometimes. You need to do that sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. Bob, I, I I give you credit for doing. That. I'm sorry about what's going on with your brother. Uh, uh, it's life, man. I mean. Yeah, yeah, but still, I can be, feel like pain for you and say I love you, and I wish I could give you a hug. And it, if I was a healer. This is why the universe didn't make me a healer, like to walk around. I'm not a heal blind people. I'd be like, oh, I don't know you. Whoop, you could see. Like, I like that's why they didn't. Jesus didn't want me to be a Jesus. Like, I had to be a brand. <laughs> and I just turn around and I'm like, I, I wish when people are going through stuff like that. Like my family, I have a funeral this weekend, and this one's going to be hard for me. And what's interesting is how, how many people in my life have said with my sister, my niece and all that coming in town, they're like, you need to make sure you take this time this weekend, especially to be with family, be mm 
be alone, take that time to like mourn because this is my cousin that passed is someone that's very important to our family. And she's, she's changed a lot of us because of her special needs. And for her, this is just a big one for the family. So it's like, I, I, I wish I could take that for people and right. just be able to heal it. And it's not right. like I, I want to absorb it. I just really want people to feel like not hurt because uh, we all deal with hurt. But let's be honest, Bob, some of the greatest adventures in life that make us stronger come from pain. Oh, you know? absolutely. Absolutely. I just, I, I'd met a guy. It's, it's a strange when I was up in Deadwood with uh, my friend from Indiana and a couple of people from people from down here, friends of mine. So we decided we weren't going to ride the bikes down into Deadwood. We were staying in Leeds because we knew it was going to be one of them nights where there were some adult beverages, you know. So we took a cab down into Deadwood, and we were in this uh, saloon down there. I had two or three drinks. I was smiling, happier in a pig in a wet spot. And uh, this couple from Colorado walked in. I had seen the woman before at one of the bars that I go to, but I didn't really know her. Well, they're friends of my friends, so they introduced us. So I'm standing there talking with this guy, and I don't remember how the conversation got started, but we started talking about death and dying. And this guy, he got a real serious look on his face. One minute we're laughing, next minute he's like, let's go outside and talk. So we went out on the sidewalk, and we started talking, and I just started, I just shared with him basically what you just said about how I went up in the mountains when I had to do a funeral for a little 10-year-old boy. And I looked around and saw how beautiful the rocks and all were. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you know what it took to make that beauty? Such violence, earthquakes, storms, I mean, all this crap to create that beauty. And I said, brother, that's just like us. You know, we go through situations, trials, and we, we have a choice to come out better or bitter. And when I said that, this guy turned white, man. I mean, he just got this blank expression on his face. And he told me he just lost his uh, son like three, four months earlier. And then they were uh, doing a memorial ride or a benefit ride uh, for his son. And his son's mother, this guy's uh, ex-girlfriend, was riding his son's bike in front of him. And he watched her ride off a cliff and die. I mean, so it was just one of them God moments, man. I happened to be there with a word to try to encourage his brother. And I had no idea what he was going through. Well, Sunday... He contacted some friends, and they wanted me and my buddy to go and have dinner with them, do a little follow-up, I guess, uh, on Sunday. But, you know, you meet people all the time that are going through hell, and uh, you just have to be there and, and hope to God you can help them out, man. And it, it just happened. I mean, what's the chances? I'm right. 500 miles from where I'm staying. This brother's 500 miles from where he's staying, and we meet in a, a bar, a saloon in the middle, yeah, a casino in the middle of uh, Deadwood. It's like, but there we are. <laughs> How was Sturgis? Fabulous. It was the best I have ever been to. It was it was big. There were a lot of people there. Uh, man, stuff happened. It was just unbelievable. I had a friend that I was supposed to do a bike blessing down here in uh, Colorado before I left, and I got all, I forgot. So he happened to be up there, so he asked me to, uh, bless the scooter. I was over getting sneakers put on Bullwinkle. And uh, so I walked over and did a little set of prayer for him and his bike. And then his kid was there with his bike. So he wanted me to do that. And somebody in the crowd saw me blessing those two bikes. And it was like, hey, brother, you know. So I did like 
15 bike lessons that day in the parking lot. And the next day I'm walking down the side or no, I was setting up in uh, one eye Jack saloon waiting for some guys. And somebody walks up and say, Hey brother, are you the guy I saw? So I did more bike lessons and it was just incredible, man. I just, I loved it. I had so much fun. I met people from all over the world. It was just amazing. man. I love hearing that. Bob, you're such a ray of light. I, you, you really are. Bob. I, sorry, I have a nine-year-old that popped her head up right <laughs> over my screen. Scared me. Absolutely. I think I need to change my shorts. Like, good Lord, did she <laughs> Hi, sweetie. Do you want to say hi? No, not anymore. No, she doesn't want to meet everybody anymore. She's just going to stand right behind the screen looking She's at me. She's gorgeous, weird. man. She's a gorgeous little girl. Oh, Bob's complimenting you, saying how pretty you are. Thank you. Oh, did you welcome. hear her? I did. Yeah, good. He says you're welcome. So, Bob, with going around and doing everything that you're doing with this, like money gets tight because you're. Huh. this is how you live your life, and yeah. you spend your days – literally helping others giving the like the love that you know you're supposed to give to people and all that and with money getting tight we we, we try to support you here we have a patreon that we've been raising money for bob uh we've been making sure we try to put it out here every friday i make sure to share this put it out it's on all of our networks but bob tell us about why what their money goes to how does it help people like what are some of the things it does I, that way they don't think we're just filling your gas tank it's it's the helpful things that they could do that are why they they should be wanting to help and put oh, money yeah. in your patreon yeah everything i everything i get i only get 830 some dollars a month to live on and it goes to it, it, I just do whatever, whatever. Like I, w I was completely broke, uh, sitting there in Sturgis, and this friend of mine, the, the guy that I was staying with, we did breakfast one morning, and uh, he slid me a fifty-dollar bill, and I was like, "Brother, you don't have to do that." I mean, I didn't have any money, and I tried not to take it, and then I heard this thing in my gut saying, "You better take it." So I thanked him and I put it in my pocket. Now it was like maybe forty minutes later, I'm walking across the street going back to Bullwinkle and I see some chick sitting there by a tree and she looked like hell. I mean, she looked bad. So I go over and I just asked her if she was all right and she was all dehydrated. They'd been drinking the night before, of course. Uh, she was sitting there, she hadn't eaten since last night. Uh, so I went and I bought her a couple of bottles of water, a couple of bottles of electrolyte, and then took her over and, and got her something to eat. Uh, just the stuff like that. That's, I mean, it is, that's all I do. I just go out there and I just, I look for what I, I don't look for nothing. Stuff just falls in my lap, man. And I just tell people, I, you know, I don't have any agendas or anything. I just, every morning when I get up, I say, okay, you got it. Are we partying today? Are we ministering today? Are we partying and ministering? What, what are we <laughs> I'm open to it. So here we are. And then I just go about my day and I'm always trying to be aware, like, I saw that chick out of the corner of my eye, and I and I, I looked for a second, and I felt in my gut that's somebody you need to talk to. I've learned a long time ago when my attention's drawn to somebody, and I've got that little inkling, that unction in my gut to go and say something. I know that God's already there. He's already doing something in that person. And if I'm bold enough to go over there and ask how you doing, and and offer a hand or whatever, He's already working in that person's life, so. I just go over there and see what's going to happen. <laughs> it's well, that is so beautiful. 
I mean, I'll be in. I was in a restaurant with my friends over in Wichita one night. We were just having a great old time, and I looked over and I saw a family uh, sitting at a table, and I, I was like, "What? Why am I?" I kept looking, and then I saw there was a husband and wife and three kids. And as soon as I saw that, there were five of them. The word grace came into my mind, and I'm like, "Okay, uh, all right." So I'm sitting there thinking and then the lord gave me a scripture so i asked the lady next to me if she had a pen and she gave me her pen and i i wrote something down on a napkin and i excused myself from the table and i went over and interrupted their meal and uh i told the brother you know i i don't want to be rude or anything but can i interrupt you and he was like absolutely so i told him what i what i saw that i saw a big number five over him and and uh, over his family which is grace and i i started to talk and then i started saying something like look i feel like there's something you guys are are uh, kind of concerned about you're you're trying to make up a mind on it and i just want to let you know that god's going to give you the grace to deal with whatever it is you're going to know the timing all that stuff is going to be good and the guy's just i mean he down there broke down crying they were sitting there at the table trying to decide because his brother was uh terminal down in texas and they were trying to figure out when and how and everything they should go he was an emotional wreck so uh, just, just things like that. <laughs> I just, I just follow. I just follow what I hear in my head. I, I don't mind being a fool or looking like a fool. <laughs> I've raised a whole bunch of ugly, foolish-looking children. <laughs> I'm okay with that. So I just go out and try to love people, man. That's all I'm doing. Uh, you are an amazing soul, doing amazing things. Stuart Lone Wolf says it best. He says, <laughs> "Even when Bob is broke." Bob is the richest guy in the world. Oh, and, man, I am the wealthiest sprint man you'll ever meet. Uh, like, I've had that camper now for four months, and I haven't been able to spend a night in it. <laughs> I was going to – you put a picture up the other day of it. How are you not sleeping in this yet? I, I thought you would have been, like, living in it by now, like just cooking, well, bobbing know, it up. i just soon be in a house with my friends and uh, – than I would be out there. I plan on using it. Um, you know, I mean, I, I'm going to be taking it to Illinois, and that's going to be a at least a two-day trip. So, But I ain't going to guarantee I'm going to use it either because all the way out here, I would post where I'm going and ask, you know, anybody know where there's any campsites? Or I called yeah. my one friend and said, hey, can I set up in your yard? And he said, no, you can park in my yard, but you ain't sleeping in my yard. You're coming in the house <laughs> and sleeping in the bed. You're, you know, I mean... And I'd rather do that, you know. I've, I've got Natasha there, and I know I'm going to end up using her. I think I'm going to spend my winter. I'm leaning strongly toward uh, down near Austin, uh, Texas. Um, I got a invitation, not an invitation, so to speak. But anyway, I was asking or told, hey, come down here. We're starting this new ministry type thing. And I've been wanting to do some training people, uh, trying to get them teach them how to do what I do to be sensitive to the leading of the spirit and stuff like that. And this sounds like a pretty good opportunity to do that where I don't have to, uh, uh, I don't have to conform to anybody's image, you know, that <laughs> I ain't doing that. Uh, I don't believe in that whole denominational nonsense. It just puts yeah. so much division and I ain't going there, but I'll go down. I mean, I got, I got some experience and I'm willing to get on and, and try to mentor some people and teach them to do what I do. And uh, I mean, that's been on my heart for a while. So I may just have to do that this winter, man. So I'll see what happens. Amazing. And it's warm down there. <laughs> and it's warm down there. Yeah, my that that's actually my niece 
who's showing me her new nail polish, uh, literally is they live down in Austin. So oh, okay. uh, uh, I'll have, have you have them connect with you. Yeah, I'll be some, I'll be actually be in a place called New Bronzefells, I think it is New Bronzefell or Fells or something like that. It's right off I thirty five south of Temple and uh, uh, Waco. It, yeah, it's beautiful out there, and there's a lot of really nice riding. <laughs> Bob, do you have any oh, pain anywhere? Oh what? yeah, but, uh, do you have any pain anywhere? Oh hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> Like Man, anywhere I, in particular, I, because uh, the worst I've got is go my ahead. shoulder. My worst is my shoulder, my right shoulder. I was uh, it was so bad when I went uh, from Mississippi to uh, Kansas, uh, Wichita. I got to my friend Dave's place, and it was like ten thirty at night. I had been fighting fifty mile an hour winds all day. I was freaking hurting, man. And I said, I got to find me a massage therapist. It's 1030 at night, and Dave says, well, I know one. So he sent a message to this chick, and 20 minutes later, the chick's got her table set up there in uh, this guy's living room, and she went to working on this shoulder. Man, I'll tell you, I damn near cried. It hurt so freaking bad. I, I almost told her to quit, but I just said, no, nah, I'm going to take it. She hurt me so damn bad. But then she took it and stretched it out and did something. And when she was done, it's the first time in over 15 years I haven't had pain in my shoulder. And it stayed that way for like a week. Like I can't, I can get it up, but it's painful. But then I got free motion. But yeah, it's back. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, we actually have uh, Dr. Mitchell Yaz, Yaz coming on right in about five minutes at most uh he created the yas method i know i, I i'm sorry i'm not doing it right Elsa. The no, yas you, method. you said when you said that the first time of the, the yas i was teaching a sunday school class one time with a bunch of eight and ten year old kids things got a little out of control they started with their knock knock jokes and stuff and i just wasn't getting they were laughing at me so bad so i, had, <laughs> I came up with my own joke i thought it was brilliant went totally over their heads but it was like, do you guys know what you call a really slow guy from Jamaica? No. Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> and that was made up on the spot. I'm going to give I, you. I thought I did good, but what those kids had no clue what a Pokemon was, man. And I was like, ah, wasted all. Yeah, that. man. <laughs> Yeah, the worst the worst part is I don't know what a Pokemon is, but I get the Jamaican reference. <laughs> Pokemon's a video game, man. It's like one of the first ones. <laughs> I don't know. Jessica Dugas says she's probably gonna have me uh playing Pokemon by the time I leave Alabama. But I don't know if that one's gonna be true. I, I've just never been into it. But uh we actually have pain management expert Dr. Mitchell Yas. I have to I'm do the snap every time and like, he's going to be on with us. He's been dealing with chronic pain that affects 130 million Americans and roughly a billion people worldwide. Uh, the primary cause for chronic pain is misdiagnosis. This is directly associated with the baseless <clears throat> M use of an MRI. He can provide theoretical, clinical and scientific evidence to sustain his position. He, he has treated thousands of people resolving their pain even after surgery has failed. So, Bob, 
don't go anywhere because I know oh, no. you already went and got a you you went out and you got a massage and you've been working your working those muscles. Well, guess what? Doctor Yes is here. Yas is here, and he's going to not just teach us about this. He's going to teach you how to take those cells in your tissue and build the best out of you, so you no longer have to call for those late night happy endings. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. I ain't going nowhere. I want to hear what this guy's got to say. My my feet, my knees, my shoulders, my I'm a mess, man. <laughs> See, that's, uh, I'm gonna be like realignment. I make these jokes about Elsa pushing her kids downstairs, and Bob's like, "Stop making those jokes! I fall down the stairs all the time." <laughs> I do, man. I'll tell you, I've had both my feet broke, both my hands broke, uh, my back is a mess. Uh, yeah, I'm really interested in what this brother's got to say this morning, man. I'm tired of hurting. I did a pain clinic for a, I don't know, a month, month and a half. Yeah, I'm ready for something that'll work, man. Something that'll work. All right. Well, don't go anywhere. We're going to have a word from our sponsor, Delight Cafe. Enjoy the sexy guy that's in the commercial. And we'll be back in a second, in a minute, guys. Hi, my name is Brandon. And over the past year, the Delight Cafe team and I have traveled across the U.S. researching this rapidly growing industry of CBD. What we have found throughout the industry were products that were inconsistent in dosage and used ingredients that weren't even lab tested. Products with chalky textures, bitter aftertaste, and worst of all, confusion among the CBD consumers. That's why we created Delight Cafe. A 15 milligram lab tested, all natural, water soluble hemp CBD powder pack. It's odorless, colorless, and tasteless. Add it to your favorite drink of choice wherever, whenever, on the go. Quickly find your calm, your balance, your delight when you need it most. Good eve good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for joining us. Dr. Mitchell. All right, now you've heard me make the joke about Yas, and I'm sure you've heard that your whole life. So I guarantee you don't want me to make that joke the whole episode how do i say it correctly phonetically it's actually y-o-s yas yas um, yeah it's actually funny because i'm ecstatic that the worst thing that i have to deal with in making fun of my name now is people saying it yes i'm good with it <laughs> the stuff i used to hear when i was a kid was a lot worse Really affected the ego. <laughs> They've already been writing in the comments, Brandon, you're a pain in the yas and stuff like that. And I'm like, all right, this is going to be a fun one. So just, just imagine what it was like for me the first time I went to a store and saw my name on a T-shirt. Oh. That was incredible. I was like, how does everyone know me? That's awesome, man. You knew you were destined for great things right away. The timing I love that. is right. The timing right? is definitely right for me. Oh, I love it. I love it. So we have Ilsa here. She is in South Africa. She trains dolphins to, I'm sorry, great white sharks to jump out of the water like dolphins. She's still learning how to get on through shark hoops. Wow. Yeah, through hoops. She really doesn't do that, but it makes her sound really cool. So, <laughs> But you actually work with tissue and pain management, and we just had Bob on and like you heard him saying it. I saw comments about Mandy Atterbury. She had hip issues and stuff like that with her dysplasia. Like, how can we help people? You're here to fix people and give them the yes moment, the yas moment. Right. So think about what Bob just said. Bob said he's had this pain and it was due to the activity he was performing. 
Yep. Once you establish and associate your pain to activity, by definition, you have identified the tissue in distress, the one eliciting your pain as being muscular. Because your kidney doesn't allow you to perform pain, your liver doesn't, it's muscle. So <clears throat> forget the diagnosis derived from the MRI of the arthritis, the meniscal tear, the herniated disc. Just think about this. If you're 40, 50, 60, or 70, and you've had some sort of normal life, You've developed wear and tear in your body, right? Everybody has to assume that. So yeah. what is the confusion when an MRI is performed and it finds a structural variation? Well, what's the shock? Does it matter if you had the MRI performed when you were in pain or when you're not in pain? Whether you have blonde hair, whether you have brown hair, whether you're six foot, whether you're five, it wouldn't matter. Studies have shown irrefutably that roughly 70 to 80% of the population have the, the developed degenerative processes by the time they're 40, 50, 60, 70, or 80. So the association to your pain is what is known as correlative theory or junk science. The same thing could be said that if I said, if I open my front door, when the, the sun rises, I could say opening my front door causes the sun to rise. That's how insane this is. That's why all the treatment never works. That's why there's 130 million Americans and 1 billion people suffering from chronic pain. You think it's an accident? They just haven't gotten the right treatment? They're not responding well? It's, in, it's, it's within the system. It's a systemic deficit. Wrong diagnosis equals chronic pain. How does your method work? How does what? How does your method work? In, oh, my in, method. In, in, so, in yeah, okay, in relieving so. the pain. <laughs> So here is the completely different concept that actually goes back to the 1940s, 50s, 60s, and 70s before there were diagnostic tests. If you had pain, you went to your doctor and you said, I have pain. And the doctor said, where? And the doctor said, how? What brings on your pain? And the doctor said, does movement make your pain get worse or better? And so you did a history. And then... He, you pointed to where your pain was and certain tests were done, physical tests. And from there, you derive what tissue is in distress. Now, what I've been able to show, and this is the shocker, this is, this is the light bulb moment. In more than 98% of cases, the cause of pain is muscular. 98% of cases, 98% of cases. So let me give you the four ways muscle creates pain. And you'll see Bob and everybody else is going to say, wow, that sounds like that's similar to me. Number one, a muscle can strain and elicit pain in the muscle. A muscle can strain and cause another muscle to compensate. And that muscle breaks down and elicit pain. So muscles can elicit pain. Most people recognize that. How about the fact that muscles can be weaker and balanced and they cause a misalignment of the joint surfaces that the muscles attach to, thereby creating pain at the joint. So when you have pain around your kneecap, it's not from a structural variation of the kneecap. It's that either your front thigh muscle is too tight, pulling excessively on the kneecap. There's an imbalance. There's a muscle towards the side of the kneecap that's pulling it out of alignment. So the pain at the joint is still muscular. Muscles can actually refer symptoms, which is the famous person who lays on their side, falls asleep and wakes up with tingling in the hand. That's being referred yeah. from the muscle.
That's the infraspinatus. It's one of the rotator cuff muscles. It has nothing to do with the cervical spine. The fact that something was found there is completely independent. And finally, the fourth and most significant concept is that a muscle can strain and impinge on a nerve. Everybody knows the concept of sciatica. Yes. Sciatica is not a neurological deficit. It is a muscle in the butt called the piriformis muscle, which strains and impinges on the nerve. So it is a muscular cause creating a neurological symptom. Those four causes account for 98% of people's pain. So I have, I have some random ones. My sister has fibromyalgia. Is that different or is there a way we could, that you could help with someone like that does have that type of pain? Okay, so let's talk about that phrase, fibromyalgia, right? So what, what is a diagnosis? What's the purpose of a diagnosis? The purpose of a diagnosis is to provide a tissue, a recognition of the tissue in distress, eliciting the symptom you're experiencing because you don't treat pain. You treat tissues. If you have a kidney stone, you, you treat the kidney stone, not the pain it elicits. If you have cirrhosis of the liver, you treat the cirrhosis of the liver, not the symptoms associated with it. If you're having a heart attack, you don't treat the pain at your left arm. You treat the heart. So you have to give me in a diagnosis, a tissue. Fibromyalgia is this kind of in the air, non-specific, generic type of phrase. It really is a representation of symptom, right? You're having pain amongst your connective tissue. Well, what connective tissue? What caused the connective tissue to go into distress? What is the physical presentation that there's distress of the tissue? None, none, it's just made up. So if I can't show, God forbid, God forbid you show up and you get an MRI that's positive. You are destined to be treated for that. And you, 95 to 98% of people are being treated inappropriately because of that diagnosis. God forbid you show up with nothing. Now they really got to come up with something. Fibromyalgia, that's a nice choice. What do, what do you get for fibromyalgia? Medication for the rest of your life. Are you, in fact, addressing a tissue? Are you treating a tissue? Are you resolving the distress of a tissue? Of course not. So then what's the point of the whole charade? Well, you came to me. I gave you something. And now you leave my office. Bingo. You came to me. You got what you you got a Band-Aid. We put the Band-Aid on it. I, I agree because I think they do this. And there's a lot of areas. And I wrote inappropriate mixed diagnosis. Have you seen this be something that I, I've interviewed a couple other doctors in other ways, in other areas. And we've talked about from I don't want to say the vaccine and get into the COVID stuff in any way. But like we talked about misdiagnosis in many ways from mental health to even physical pains and just the quick resolve to get them out and the paperwork and all that. And the doctors who have written books about the pain, the hospital system being broken. Have you seen the inappropriate misdiagnosis be more and more? And that was what brought you into wanting to help people fix their pain. So my, my background is at 30 years old, I went for a second career. I was going to become a physical therapist. And so I entered physical therapy school. And because it's part of the medical system, um, I follow the procedures that you're taught. Now, I'm going to give you a really cool example of what happened. This was in my first semester. So my father plays tennis every week on Saturday. And every Sunday, he wakes up with massive back pain, bent to one side and forward. And so I'm in school now for the medical thing. So I'm thinking to myself, wow, man, you know, like maybe I could help this guy out. Now, he's already been diagnosed with a herniated disc as the cause. 
So I'm in my first semester and they're teaching me that if you strain your psoas muscle, your hip flexor on one side and it shortens, it pulls you to one side and forward. Strangely similar to my father. And the psoas attaches to the low, lower back, lumbar spine. So I said, dad, would you mind if I just try something? He's like, I don't give a shit. What If you can make my pain go away, this is every week I deal with this. And I'm, he's basically bedridden for the day on a Sunday. So he's like, okay, yeah. So I release his hip flexor and he stands up straight up with no pain. And I do it again the next week. And I continue to do it. And this is in my first semester of school. And I'm saying to myself, now, let me think about this. I got to take a breath a second because I'm, I've just found something very bizarre. And I say, the guy's been diagnosed with a herniated disc, but if I treat his hip flexor, I make the symptoms resolve. What does that begin to start to tell you? There's a disconnect between diagnostic test findings and the symptoms people present with. And so as I went through my process, I'm seeing it more and more. And I start saying to myself, you know what? Symptoms are real. It's what the body is presenting. I'm going to take the path of trying to treat symptoms and see where that takes me. And sure enough, as I go through this process, it's becoming more and more evident that in like 98% of cases, the people are having muscular deficits and I'm treating them based on that, regardless of the diagnostic test finding. And they're becoming pain-free and fully functional in weeks. That's how this whole process began. Then I started trying to create theory to explain what was happening and why I was getting the results. That's where the method derived from. Okay. How do you assess the severity of, of someone's injury when you do the, 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 the classes remotely? So when we're talking, let's say, um, all right, let's talk about the classic. Like, all right, let's, if we do, let's do Bob's shoulder. All right, let's do a shoulder concept. So someone comes in, someone comes in and says that they're having pain at their shoulder and they can't raise their arm because of pain. Okay, the first thing you're going to want to do is determine whether there's a structural deficit responsible for the pain or is it muscular? So I'm going to check the range of motion of the person. Now, they might be limited in their ability to raise their arm, but then I'll have them lay down fully relaxed and I'll raise their arm. Now, if I could raise their arm fully, what does that tell you about the quality of the structure of the shoulder? It's fully intact. End of game. I don't care if the diagnosis is arthritis. I don't care if they've been diagnosed with a labral tear. They're clearly degenerative and simply existing independent of the cause of the pain. Once you see that passive range of motion is full, there's nothing structurally wrong with the joint, right? Because the joint goes through range of motion. So I know it's muscular. So now I'm going to go through a series of muscle tests. And I'm going to establish he's probably strained his rotator cuff and some of the muscles that hold the shoulder blade against the rib cage because the shoulder joint is really the arm bone going into the end of the shoulder, on the shoulder blade. Then I'm going to perform a series of strengthening exercises, which allows the mechanics of the shoulder to function properly. So in Bob's case, he said he can't raise his arm. It's not arthritis. It's the fact that the head of the arm bone is not dropping down as he tries to raise his arm because a muscle that's supposed to pull it down to allow full range of motion has been strained. So as I do the exercises within that first session, he's going to see nearly full range of motion because I've reorganized the mechanics of how the shoulder joint works. That gives him his pain-free, fully functional capacity. Now, 
He's fully functional, pain-free. Go do the x-ray. Does he still have the arthritis? Of course. Does he have the labral tear? Of course. Let me ask you something. People over the age of 70 or 80 have wrinkles on their face. Do they go and get skin grafts? Does every person with a wrinkle go and get skin grafts? Because clearly it's an abnormality. My God, all abnormalities must be corrected. No, no, why not? Because the integrity of the skin is still intact, even with the wrinkle. The integrity of the joint is still intact, even with the arthritis, the herniated disc, the pinched nerve, the meniscal tear. That's the lesson to be learned. What is, you're going to laugh at me on this one, and I'm not being rude. What does DPT stand for? Oh, DB, it's a doctor, a doctorate of physical therapy. I thought so, but I, yeah. I'm looking at it and I go, if I get this wrong, I don't want to write it when I write my stuff about him later and be like, Dr. Mitchell Yas of Yas of D with DPT. And then I'm like, what the heck is a DPT? Yeah, I, better, yeah. I better double check. Uh, is there things we could do daily for ourselves? So my question would go daily stretches, daily like massages, things that maybe I have pain. I, I have horrible knee pain. I, I do a standing desk like this on purpose because I flow better like this, but my knees at the end of the day are shot. And when I try to go running, they hurt. Are there stretches that maybe I should be doing? Should I be massaging myself? What can I do to self help myself? Like you're saying the tissue's still there. Right. So if you have symptoms by definition, that is an indication of a tissue in distress. We know that if it's in terms muscular, then that tells you that there are specific muscles not working correctly. Now, to wait to understand this in the full sense of it is that life exists based on two forces. There isn't a human being that is not responsible for addressing these two forces. You live in a gravitational environment. Gravity is pushing down on you. Everything you do, you're pushing up against gravity. That's a fact. Now, the muscles responsible for the activity must create a force to push up against gravity to allow you to do the activity. If the force requirement of the activity is greater than the force output of the muscles trying to do the activity, you have pain. If the force output of the muscles is stronger than the force requirement of the activities, you don't have pain. That's it. So if you're having symptoms, you must know that there's some weakness or a balance that exists. The only way to resolve that force deficit is doing some sort of isolated progressive resistance exercise, which is to say you cause a single muscle to strengthen against resistant, resistance, causing it to adapt and eventually become strong enough to address the force of gravity and allow you to perform your activities without symptom. So you mentioned a couple of things. How about stretching? How about massage? Those are, in a sense, palliative measures. They will make your symptoms diminish but remember, what is the cause of the symptom? A force deficit, a weakness or imbalance. Does massage or does stretch, uh, stretching affect a muscular deficit? The answer is no. Therefore, you could do those, but every day, as soon as you do that activity, for instance, in your case, you're talking about jogging, you're going to be in pain, right? You're going to be in pain. So... What if we were able to identify that maybe in your particular case, your front thigh muscles, your quads are way too strong in relationship to your hamstrings? That would cause the quad to shorten. The quad is attached to your kneecap. When it shortens, it pulls excessively on your kneecap, causing excessive compressive forces. So when your knee is bent, 
where my kneecap kind of lightly sits in the joint. Yours is excessively compressed. So when you go to stand up, you're going to have massive knee pain. The reason you are using a standing desk is because you can't sit because your quads are too strong a relationship to your hamstrings. So all you would have had to do was stretch your quad and strengthen your hamstrings. And I don't care if you want to sit, stand, twist, do everything you want to do. The function of your joint will be perfect. You will have the appropriate force requirements for your activities and you'll be pain-free and fully functional. I've, I've also got a problem with my knee. I need yes. help. That's <laughs> because you're older than me. <laughs> <laughs> my knee, uh, uh, we went ice skating when I was younger and I fell on my knee and, 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 and I fell off my bike as well. Same knee that I hit. Right now, if I, if I, if I drive and I extend my, my, my leg, uh, my knee, it, it actually sounds like it snaps back into place. So I don't know, is that also muscle or? Okay, so I'll bet you. So when you say that your problem comes after having your knee excessively lengthened. Yeah, so if it's bent. High, if, if, yeah. The high probability is that you're, most people have heard of this, the iliotibial band. Okay. People have heard of the iliotibial. I think most people have. It's I a have connective not. tissue band that runs along the side of the thigh. And it's actually attached to a very small muscle called the tensor fascia ladder. And it attaches to the pelvis right near the hip joint. Now, there's a muscle that's responsible. If you're doing a lot of weight-bearing activity, you need to stabilize yourself on one leg when the other leg's being taken off. If you're walking, running, or things like that. Now, the purpose of stabilizing yourself is to keep your pelvis perpendicular, uh, parallel to the ground so that you have balance. You only have balance when your pelvis is, is parallel to the ground. There's a muscle on the side of the pelvis that does that. If that were to strain, it can cause this muscle called the tensor fascia lighter to overwork and break down. It will then cause the iliotibial band to shorten. The iliotibial band is attached to the side of your kneecap. So if it shortens, if your kneecap is supposed to run directly through this groove, it's going to shift to the side and it's going to be rubbing on the outside border of that kneecap. So when you bend your knee, what you're feeling is it snapping back into place, snapping oh back God. into place, snapping back into place. So this is the big jump, another big light bulb moment. In more than 99% of cases, the cause of pain is not where the pain is being experienced. 99% of case. In your particular case, I would say, I'm guessing based on what you're describing, you have a strained hip muscle. If you were to strengthen your gluteus medius muscle plus one or two other mu muscles to lengthen the iliotibial band, you would stop your symptoms and you would be pain-free and fully functional. That is so interesting. Thank you so much. Sure, absolutely. It's my pleasure. <laughs> it's what it's I like do. <laughs> I love it because I don't, I don't like drinking pharmaceuticals or drinking any kind of pain medication. And I love this that you don't need to. There's somebody that can help. I think that's a phenomenal thing because it really is out there. Like we have a bunch of stories being put in the comments. You have Jane who was on 10 to 18 pharmaceutical meds a day. She got up to 325 pounds, nine and a half years in a hospital bed, 98% of the time. Uh, the last five years is now only 50% in a hospital bed, 70 pounds lost. And she walks about a half a mile a day. 
And I have to be honest, guys, like I've seen Jane's transformation over the last few months, even she is like working so hard to be able to find these natural ways. This is a great thing. So I turn to you and I say, what about people that have been born with issues? Oh, I didn't click the right one. Sorry. That have been born with issues like Mandy Atterbury here has a that her hip dysplasia, the ball and socket of her left, left hip have never joined properly, but she says it's been since birth. Is there something she could do like a stretch or a kick somebody or something where she'll be able to help it? Okay. So let's talk about this case. So let's say that she started getting hip region pain two years ago. I don't know how long it's been, but let's say it's two years. So did she ever have an x-ray prior to the pain? Probably not. So she gets this x-ray and it finds this hip dysplasia, right? It's an awareness that she's had that, but the pain only began two years ago. So how would you account for something that began at birth only beginning to create pain two years ago? Is it possible, another jump of logic, that the dysplasia issue, although existing, has nothing to do with the cause of the pain? Is that possible? Is that possible? Of course it's possible. Of course it's possible. Just like the person who was told they're supposedly bone on bone and they show them the degradation of the hip joint, the femur, the thigh bone, uh, in, the thigh bone in there, right? Now, that person, let's say their pain is in their hip, in their groin area. This is, this is the primary reason people get hip replacement. They have pain in the groin. It's not around the hip region. It's in the groin. They get an x-ray and it shows degradation of the thigh bone's head in the joint. And the person points to it and says, you see that? That's being found at the time you're having groin pain. So I'm going to say that that's the cause of your pain. Now, is there denial that there's degradation? Of course there is, right? But is that what's creating the pain? And the answer would be, well, let's test the physical presentation. Because we know physical presentation tells the story. So I could lay that person on the side and I'm going to take their thigh bone and I'm going to ram it into their hip joint as hard as I can. And I'm going to see if I could bring on their groin pain. And guess what? It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Then I'm going to press in their groin and I'm going to bring them up and they can say, oh my God, yes, that's it. That's what that brings my pain on. So I pressed in the groin where the pain is and that brings on the pain. That's known as point tender pain. That means the tissue I pressed on is the tissue creating the pain. That tissue is the sartorius muscle. They strained a muscle due to other muscle straining, but the tissue creating their pain in the groin is the sartorius muscle. Do they have degradation of the femur and the thigh and the hip joint? Of course they do. Who gives a shit? It's a wrinkle. It's a wrinkle. Do you know what the failure rate for hip and knee replacement is? Right now, revisions are outrunning initial surgeries. Why? Because they get in the surgery and the person still has as much pain, if not greater, after the surgery. So they give them this story that, oh, the prosthetic didn't fit, the cement isn't working, the prosthetic broke, within a month or two months of the original surgery. What do you think the answer is? You think that the degradation was the cause of the pain? If it was, why do they still have the pain in the groin? You got to understand the symptoms to establish what tissue is creating those symptoms. That's the connection. Tissue in distress creates symptoms. Understand the symptoms 
to understand what tissues in distress creating those symptoms. That's what this method does. Nothing else like it. I, I was waiting, though, so if you got one, I know it's your turn. Okay, she pointed. I didn't want to interrupt. We usually try to rotate. Yeah. Migraines, headaches, pain. I'm going to pull your website up because I saw this on there. Why is posture so important to people who maybe have headaches? So um, let's talk about the concept of headache. And and in my book, The Pain Rx, and anytime I write about headache, I'm not denying that there is a possibility that you could have a severe systemic cause. You could have meningitis. You could have a tumor. You could have a No one's denying that, and all of that should be checked out immediately. But where are you left when everything shows up negative based on diagnostic testing? You're left with the premise of it's in a sense a syndrome. The medical establishment doesn't really know why you're having the cause of your pain, so you're left to take medication, right? Or Botox or things of these natures. But once you enter that realm, by definition, you have raised the red flag. You have raised the white flag. You're saying, I am no longer going to attempt to identify the tissue in distress. Therefore, I am no longer going to identify how to address the cause. Therefore, I'm going to leave you with nothing more than being able to mask your symptoms. I don't go with that. My attitude is when everything comes up negative, now let's look at tension as the cause of the headache. Okay, and so the idea is that that person has forward head posture. That means the the head is supposed to be supported by the cervical spine. If the head moves forward, then the cervical spine gets stretched and the muscles that have to support the head become overused. One of those muscles is the upper trapezius muscle that attaches into the skull at the greater occipital protuberance. The muscle attaches into the skull. And so... There's connective tissue that surrounds all bones, including the skull. So the muscle is actually pulling on the connective tissue. And since the connective tissue surrounds the whole skull, you could get headache anywhere around the head from that excessive pull of the upper trap on the skull. So if the person is having, again, let's talk symptoms. If you're having migraine headache, is forward head posture a contributing or corroborating symptom? Sure it is. Don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Think about it. It makes sense that that could be telling you what the cause is. So if you're like this and I strength muscles between the shoulder blades and the lower trapezius muscle, it pulls your head back. It creates the proper alignment. No excessive load is created. Therefore, the trap stops pulling excessively, stopping the headache. I've done this on hundreds of occasions. I've treated people with migraine headaches and ended it very quickly. Interesting. I, I, I fascinated. Ilsa, are you ready? Because I'm like gonna. I, I'm opening up the next. I part am. <laughs> I am. I just want. I just want to ask. Uh, do you do almost the same as what a chiropractor does? Because they pull and twist you to 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 set so, everything back. Okay, so a chiropractor. Now, let me be clear about this. I am equal opportunity against any specialty that is not into position to identify all potential causes of pain. So if you go to a podiatrist, would you expect the cause of your pain to be identified as related to the foot? Of course. If you're a neurologist, go to a neurologist. Is your problem a nerve? If you go to an orthopedist, is your problem related to the structure of a joint? 
If you go to a chiropractor, is the problem that you have some subluxation? Of course it is. But what if it's not? What if it's a muscular deficit? Who's going to tell you that? Nobody. Nobody. You have to. The reason this system is so overriding in its capacity is because bone creates a specific symptom. Nerve creates a specific symptom. Muscle creates a specific symptom. So I can tell you based on the symptoms you're experiencing, whether your pain is bone, muscle, or nerve. If it's muscle or nerve, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to refer you to the appropriate or uh, the specialist. But again, what if it's muscle, as I've shown it is in 98% of cases? Are you going to get that diagnosis? Who's going to give you that? Di nobody. Nobody. So if you're told that you need an adjustment and the psoas muscle is in spasm, you could get getting adjustments from here to eternity. You could get decompression for the rest of your life. But the muscle that's in distress eliciting the pain, if it's not addressed muscularly, it's going to just keep eliciting pain. Chronic pain is an oxymoron. I need people to truly wrap their head around this idea. It's an, Those two words should never go together. Pain is elicited at the inception of distress of the tissue. When the tissue goes bad, it immediately begins to elicit pain. Everyone has to acknowledge that as a fact. So if you went to the appropriate diagnostician and they identified the tissue in distress and resolved the distress of that tissue at that stage, pain would always end in the acute phase. So why does chronic pain exist? Misdiagnosis. The tissue in distress continues to be in distress because you're treating the wrong tissue. Now, I also, because people are going to come at me and attack me. I'm not saying anything negative against any individual person. I'm not. People have the best intentions, and they've done the education and training that they were told they needed. This is what I would just try to raise to you, your listeners, anybody. This is all I want to say. After months of years of treatment, if you're still having your symptoms, could you sit back and just ask yourself this one question. Is it possible that the person that's treating you doesn't know what they don't know? That's my question. Is it possible? Based on months and years of treatment, still no reduction in symptoms, still no answers, still no appropriate. Is it possible they just don't know what they don't know? And they're just following what their intent is with the best intention. Uh, yes. That's my question. Mm -hmm. Think about it. Cocaine used to be in Coca-Cola. Doctors right. used to smoke and they tell right. us all these were things to do. Like, oh, smoke, your doctor does it. Right. That was what was, that's why change has to be about. You have to be willing to see new things. I think you're saying it like, phenomenally, Dr. Yas. Uh, I do have a question here that came up a little bit ago. Do you find prolotherapy? And I know I'm probably saying it wrong, but I'm okay no, you with got it. Ah, good. Prolotherapy complements to muscular treatments all right again i'm just a science guy so i just talk facts prolotherapy is the infusion of sugar water typically into the spine when people mm -hmm. have lower back pain the theoretical basis is that there is inflammation inflammation in the spine and sugar water reduces inflammation inflammation is a multi-billion dollar business you have to understand very quickly that inflammation is something called the humoral response, which is where if there's some sort of mechanical 
or systemic deficit to a tissue, the body is going to cause a capillary of blood to break open, sending blood into the area to heal. That is what is inflammation. So what are the four symptoms that indicate inflammation is present? Pain, swelling, heat, redness. If where your pain is, you don't find swelling, heat, or redness, you can't tell me inflammation is the answer. Therefore, treating inflammation isn't going to fix your problem. So I don't care if it's prolotherapy. I don't care if it's an anti-inflammatory. I don't care if it's a cortisone shot. By the way, that's also infused with lidocaine, which is an anesthetic. That's really why you feel better. It has nothing to do with the anti-inflammatory aspect, right? None of that matters. If the cause of your pain is that the force output of the muscles is less than the force requirement of your activities, you there's no alternative. You got to strengthen the muscle appropriately using isolated progressive resistance to get the muscle strong enough to where the force output is greater than the force requirement of the activities. I, I wish I, I <laughs> the biggest problem I have is with the extensive level of technologies available. I fix you with a $3 resistance band. Yeah. Isn't that horrible? Isn't yes. that horrible? I don't have a million-dollar machine. I don't have a $100,000 surgery. I have a $3 resistance band, and I can fix your pain from head to toe. And in all seriousness, I fix people, and then they try to tell their relatives, and people um, say, that's too good to be true. That I, I, I have to say, <laughs> I have to say that this is one case where that concept of it being too good to be true isn't true it really it is so right on it works quickly and effectively so can i go yep maybe by the way her <laughs> smile and laugh is is intoxicating i, must I know right that's what, she's our queen from south africa i love it man. Thank you so much. You're making me blush. <laughs> I want. I want to know that is your method covered under health insurance in America or not? Seeing so, seeing that you 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 save people a lot of money. So here's the thing: is that although my education credential is in medical in the medical field, my position remember ninety eight percent of cases the cause is muscular. So. I don't do anything medical. I don't use ultrasound, electric stimulation, cryotherapy, um, cold laser therapy. I don't do anything medical. I'm telling you, you have a fitness-based problem. You have weakness. So my position is that this sits outside the medical system. I, I kind of try to equate myself, and this is going to sound a little funny, to Joe Pilates. Pilates created a method to enhance, I mean, I'm not 100% for it, but generally the premise was through strengthening, you could improve function, posture, and resolve pain. Well, that's what I'm promoting. So this isn't, I don't do this as a form of a medical practice. It's really a fitness-based practice. So um, there really is no insurance. It's a direct pay premise. Um, if I may just very briefly talk about this, the cost of a session, so um I live in Jacksonville, Florida. If you happen to be local, great. You can do an in-person thing. But the primary mechanism by which I do this is through Zoom sessions. And I've treated people in Taiwan, um, Portugal, England, uh, Canada, Switzerland. I've done it all over, okay? So the great news is it's $200 for a session. Now, if a uh, physical therapy co-pays $40, $50, well, three times a week, that's 150 for that week. 
most likely you're not going to be very far closer to understanding what's causing your pain and how to resolve it and stop it from reoccurring. Now, the great part about these sessions, they're videotaped. Every session is videotaped. So when we finish the session, you get that videotape to make sure that you're exercising and doing what you need to appropriately utilizing the correct resistance. So the typical premise is that I see you once every four weeks. And typically it's not more than two to three months for you to be pain-free and fully functional. So where it might cost you 600 bucks at the end of three months, you're pain-free, fully functional. You have a full understanding of what's causing your pain, the tissue and distress. You understand how to use progressive resistance to stop your symptoms. And most importantly, how to use progressive resistance to prevent it from reoccurring. You do now have the control, the empowerment to live the life you choose. That's what this is about. That's so well said. Uh, doctor, so have you seen that chronic vertigo is from issues with the spine? If so, do you have any methods that may be able to help? Great question. I just talked to someone about this yesterday regarding vertigo. Okay. Now, Vertigo is typically thought of as relating to the circulatory system. So if you're having vertigo, oftentimes they're going to think they're going to gonna do a Doppler. They're going to check um, an artery, typically the vertebral artery. They're going to see if there's blockage. And if not, then you're going to probably have to go on to different types of medication. Again, let's talk about this idea of how close tissues approximate one another. Okay. So if I had forward shoulder posture... There's a muscle in the neck called the anterior scalings. People can look this up. It's the anterior scalings. Now, you have two arteries that serve the brain. You have the carotid artery and the vertebral artery. The vertebral artery is very close. It runs through a, a portion of the cervical spine. The anterior scalings, it's very close to it. So if you were to strain your anterior scalings, you could actually thicken it enough to impress, compress the vertebral artery. So if this is the lumen and this comes in, it squishes it because it's thickened, it can block blood supply to the brain, creating vertigo. So, and, and for most people, vertigo is kind of a, it's a temporary type of thing. It comes and goes. They really never try to establish what the correlation is as to what brings it on and what doesn't. And I can assure you, if you do activities in the front of you, as this thing continues to, when it has the chance to tighten, that's going to bring on the vertigo. And in fact, people have told me, when I lay on my back and I have my shoulders back, my vertigo goes away. Why? Because that stretches the scalings muscle. It pulls it away from the vertebral artery, allowing proper flow. So... So that, that's, that's a, my two cents on vertigo. No, I think that's a good one. I, 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 I didn't hit the mute button fast enough. I, here's one that caught me, and I think I'm going to have to rephrase it, but like, when is a doctor not just practicing, a.k.a. when is it a good time to start looking for a second opinion? My, I just have a straight across-the-board point. If the doctor is not specifically listening to your symptoms – and trying to interpret what tissue is in distress, creating those symptoms from the symptoms themselves, I don't know what you're doing there. I don't know what that individual's doing. If they simply, you're there for two to three minutes, and they're saying, where's your pain? Here's a prescription for an MRI. Um, come back to me when you get the results, and we'll discuss it. That's 
that's feeding into what is irrefutably a baseless means of diagnosing the cause of your pain. I, I can assure you that in the time that I've been treating for 28 years, over 15,000 people, 98, 99% of cases, the symptom the person was experiencing was not where it should be if the structural variation identified would create pain. It's not where it should be. Okay, I'll just kind of give you a very quick little concept. All right. People who have pain, you you mentioned, uh, Brenda, you have pain around your kneecap, okay? Yes. Pain around the kneecap. All right. So the person that gets an MRI and it says you have a meniscal tear. Yes. Okay. So the meniscus lies in a joint between the thigh bone and the lower leg bone. So when you're standing, here's the thigh bone, here's the lower leg bone, here's the meniscus. That's where it is. So if it would have caused pain, it would cause pain at the space between the two bones. That is known as the medial and lateral joint line. Your knee is actually comprised of two joints. The second joint is the kneecap attaching into the thigh bone, the way it runs through that groove. Mm -hmm. Okay? That's a second and separate joint. So how could someone say that a structural variation at one joint can create pain at another joint? Yeah. yeah. It can't. It's impossible. The vast majority of people who have pain, have it around their kneecap, and they keep, keep being told that arthritis bone on bone and meniscal tears are creating their pain. And you must understand that you those, those structures in that joint between the thigh bone and lower lobe bone can't cause pain at the joint between the kneecap and thigh bone. It's simply impossible. It's, a, it's like saying arthritis of the elbow can cause pain at your, elbow, at your ankle. Same exact premise. It's that perverse, hmm. right? Hmm. So... We always want to take a look. Your symptoms will always, just remember, just remember, you're having a heart attack. You get pain at your chest and your left arm. Do you ignore that? Do you say, ah, I've got an appointment with my doctor in three to four months. Uh, I'll ask him what that pain at the chest and left arm represents. No, you shit your pants. You run directly to the hospital because you know that symptom represents your heart having a heart attack, right? If yeah. you, your entire left side of your body, you no longer can feel it. Do you say, don't worry about it. My <laughs> annual's going to come in a couple of months and I could ask them at that point. Don't worry. No, you say, uh oh, those symptoms represent I'm having a stroke. It's related to my brain, right? So you immediately say, I'm having a stroke because of it. So why is pain at the neck, the back, and your extremities any different? Why do you want to ignore the symptoms? The symptoms that are coming from the tissue eliciting your symptoms. Why would you ignore that? Because the medical system sees muscle, and this is scary, as invisible. It doesn't show up on diagnostic tests, and no one's educated or trained to identify causes relating to muscle. That's it. Hmm. Can, your, can your method work for pinched nerves in the back as well? If the pinched nerve was creating a symptom, the answer would be no. I couldn't. You would need surgery. In 28 years, 15,000 people, I have not found a single person who presented with symptoms even after diagnosed as having a pinched nerve as having the symptom with a... Let me give you an example. The classic place someone is told they have a pinched nerve is L4-5, the lumbar region nerve root between the fourth vertebrae and the fifth vertebrae of the lumbar spine. Now, the disc itself can't create pain because it's made of fibrocartilage and has no pain receptors. So the disc itself can't create pain, but it can pinch on a nerve root, right? 
Where does yeah. that nerve root innervate? Every nerve root innervates a certain nerve area of your skin. Well, the L4-5 nerve, rate, a nerve, uh, nerve root innervates the inner shin. It's the inner shin. Look up a word, dermatome. Look up dermatonal chart. You will see the L4-5 nerve, nerve root innervates the inner shin. So if your pain isn't at the inner shin, I don't know how someone says the nerve root's responsible for your symptom. That's where the nerve root creates a symptom. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. If your symptom isn't there, what do I give a shit if you found the... I could find the vast majority of people with L4-5 nerve root impingement. So what? It's a wrinkle. It's a wrinkle. Get that through everyone's head. It's just wrinkles. Nothing to fear. It's what about... <laughs> What about tinnitus? Can you treat tinnitus? And I asked that because I saw it come in and it, right when I read it, I thought of at least a dozen people who have been like, oh, I just have tinnitus. That's the ringing in my ear. Like yeah. The tinnitus one. And Okay, so here you go. Honest guy telling the truth. I really don't know the etiology of tinnitus. I really do not know that. I don't know what to say to people about that. I can only express something similar to what I have found with TMJ. Now, TMJ, temporomandibular joint, is the joint between your mandible and your skull. And there's a little cartilage there, a meniscus, okay? Now, people will have pain in that area and they go to a person and they're told it's TMJ. Remember what I told you about that forward head posture? So yes. let's say you're having forward pest head posture. If you have forward head posture, Gravity is in a position to pull the jaw down excessively, and it's going to stress the muscles that support the jaw. So in the few times people have come to me for TMJ, I have shown that it was a postural deficit, not affecting the joint itself, but the muscles called the pterygoids, which actually support the mandible. So in bringing their head back, I resolved the pain in that region. So is there a factor that it might relate to tinnitus, I don't know, and I'm I'm no expert on it, and I am always honest. If I don't know about something, I don't want to express an opinion. I all my opinions must be based on science, so that's all I could say about tinnitus. Uh, and I honestly, I didn't even know what was going to come out of that because I'm like, hey, he has so many different areas that he's that we've hit. We've gone from knees to ankles to hips to. Like, honestly, uh, are you a football fan? Are you a Jaguars fan? Um, well, to some degree. Uh, so I'm old, and I remember when the first left-handed quarterback was Ken Stabler of the Oakland Raiders. So that drew me oh. to the Oakland Raiders, and I've always been hoping they would eventually get good again, but they keep taking – old burnt out players and trying to reuse them and it's really not a good method so it's, not. it's been 40 years i've been waiting for this but um I'm, I'm actually excited because actually i went to the university of florida and urban meyer was the coach at the time so that's I'm exactly a fan I'm, of urban meyer i'm a fan of urban meyer like <laughs> i i that's why i and i'm from cleveland so my browns were just there i was gonna have some fun talking with you on that you know right, right, 20, right, right. 25 years of nothing like, <laughs> it's tough it's tough it, man. We, we finally have something our fans are excited for the Absolutely. first season in years and, and 
it's going to be interesting. I just was going to ask, have you been able to connect with anybody in the Jacksonville organization to be able to work with the pain management? Like I think of Odell Beckham Jr. I was thinking my Browns. That's why I went that way. He's had knee issues. It could end his career. If they're able to do these things starting in college, University of Florida, Urban Meyer, and you're able to present these, how can you get into them to show them these things, to get to them? How does that happen so you can actually fix a player earlier than later? I, I, I wish there was one. I don't So um, I graduated in college, and my last affiliation is with the guy who's the therapist for the New York Islander hockey team. Yeah. And, I, and he hires me, and that's who my first job is with. But you kind of have to understand the way things work. He got the job because his roommate, college roommate, was the orthopedist to the New York Islanders. So when he got the job, guess who he chose to be the physical therapist? And the reality is, is that business is business. That's how business works. It's really not what you know, it's who you know. I pray, pray for the opportunity to have this method presented to as many people as possible and just let it sit and and have the chance to be determined whether it's valid or not. And if it is, so be it. Let's implement it. Um, I've been doing this for 28 years. I foolishly thought that the concept of the information being so good would make people aware of it. But the reality is, in the United States, chronic pain is a $700 billion business. And so everybody's out trying to get their piece of the scratch. And I get it now. So amazingly, I'm on your show simply because about two weeks or three weeks ago, someone recommended me start to reach out to podcasts and see if they'd be interested in hearing my story. That's two or three weeks after 28 years. So you came in and you had people they're asking questions and guys do not forget. uh, Dr. Yaz said, here is his email, Dr. Mitch at Mitch Mitchell Yaz.com and live without pain.com. Do not hesitate to go click those, those links. Email him. I see people still asking questions. I want to make sure you take that. Reach out to Dr. Uh, to Dr. Mitchell and tell him, yes, I want to feel better. Like, <laughs> I, I love it. So, Doctor, we actually do something. I'm going to bring Bob back in here for a second. At the end of every episode that's just different than everybody else, we find a way to tell everybody something positive to help them get through the weekend. So I'll have Ilsa go first, then Bob, then me. And then you're going to give us the final good word. That could be your favorite quote. That could be a song lyric. That could literally be like, get the F out of here. Let's get rid of pain and do the Yas method. Okay, whatever you want. So just so you know, Elsa, are you ready, sweetie? I think, Elsa, I think she I heard froze. nothing. My, 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 yes, I'm back. Get, you see me? Okay, you're going to do our start the goodbyes. You ready? I'm ready. All right, take it, sweetie. Hi, guys. We had a full week this week. We spoke to some amazing uh, guests. Uh, We had some dot pitch up because apparently me and Brandon are perfect. We do not need dating advice. And I just want to say I am grateful that I could be in your presence five days this week and i can't wait to be in your presence on monday again thanks for the change that you bring into my life um and just embrace life i love you guys to bits and then i just want to read you a quote that says 
What is that you express in your eyes? It seems to me more than all the print I have read in my life. Have a wonderful day. That was awesome. Well done. Well done. Mr. Seymour. Hey, good morning, guys. That was a good show, Doc. I appreciate that stuff. I just uh, want to keep right on where I go every week, man. Go out there and be a blessing and uh, bless somebody that can't possibly help you out. It'll make you feel better. It'll make them feel better. And uh, I do have a quote from a, a guy named A.W. Tozer, an amazing guy. He said one time uh, in a book that I read, he said the, uh, the uh, important things in life are rarely urgent. And the urgent things in life are rarely important. So check your check your gut. And I needed to take some time and get away myself. I mean, I've stretched myself in all the time, and I'd forgotten that quote. But when I took time to just sit back, take care of my own head, try to get my own self together, uh, man, my whole world, my perspective on everything is changing. So take time for yourself so that you can take time for others man be a blessing and be blessed have a great week i appreciate being on here you guys rock god bless you have a great week man change somebody's life today god bless well said bob well said i get to be giving <laughs> my goodbye with the most beautiful little nine-year-old in the world my niece hey. uh we're saying our goodbyes today but i'm grateful that i get to spend time with family even if it's under like uh, stressful situations but I actually was listening to what Dr. Mitchell was saying today, and there was so much wealth of knowledge there. But the other thing is he pointed out some things that we probably forget in our own lives, that there's pains that hit us in certain areas that aren't exactly the pain of where it, it what's actually the root of the cause. And we have to remember that sometimes our pain may even be not just physically, but it could be emotionally, it could be mentally, it could be spiritually. And we're, we feel it in different ways. Take the time to find the root cause of your pain, why you're hurting, and truly find your best you. So that way, you let go of the pain to give the best of the future. Thank you guys for tuning in. Amen. I would like to actually just uh, go based on what Brandon just said, that the, the problem for most people is that the acute pain becomes chronic because it's misdiagnosed. And once you have chronic pain, emotions develop around it, hopelessness, frustration, mm -hmm. anxiety. And unfortunately, I've worked with many hundreds of people who become suicidal. I want you to recognize you should never give up. There is a path for you, regardless of what that path is. There's always an answer to every question. So never give up. And even during these times of turmoil, try to find the little things that will make a smile come. Look at the sunrise. Look at a tree. Uh, just kind of ponder life in, in, in its grandeur. And you'll see that the more times you find joy, it gets a little harder and harder to get down. So... Definitely, you want to be able to try to find the answer to that pain, but also try to find happiness within yourself in all aspects, spiritual, emotional, intellectual, and physical. And, and you're going to have the best life possible. So mm. that's my thought. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Mitchell, uh, yes, uh, you rock this episode. I need to put that back up. She's a lot shorter than me. Uh, <laughs> find the joy and 
for real. Like Dr. Mitchell, you pointed out so many things. Such a great episode. Uh, guys, take a moment, share, like, comment. We don't want it for ourselves. We want it to help others. Like Dr. Mitchell said, he wants to just put this out there. He thought people would want to know more about this to help themselves. Gee, that doesn't sound a little familiar, does it? Thought more people would want that. Like, get out there, break barriers, break down walls, break down everything that's in your way, but put out the best you. Because the only one that changes the world is you when you change your world. Thank you guys for joining us. Doctor, you brought it. Yes, this was a great episode. <laughs> Thanks, guys. It was great. It was really Thank good. you, Doc. It. You have a good one. You can hang out backstage for a minute if you want. And sure. guys, share, like, love, and make sure to go t give Bob some appreciation, too. He's got to go catch up with his guys on ZZ Top's band, you know? <laughs> got it? Have a good one, guys. Bye.